Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. How can today's book lover decide what to read? With a vast array of choices, what to choose. Professor Jim Flynn is a world-renowned expert on intelligence and IQ and believes that reading gives you a deeper understanding of the world. He scoured the globe looking for the pearls by today's authors. You'll be surprised, delighted, you'll be outraged. But that's the magic of a book list. I'm Wallace Chapman, and in this 10-part series, I go in search of the best modern authors with Jim Flynn. Welcome to the new... Torchlight List. Before we get to the list, let's start by looking at what is the use for literature. And there's a great Philip Roth quote, uh, Professor Flynn, at the start of the book. I think always people will be reading novels, but it will be a small group of people. To read a novel requires a certain amount of concentration, focused devotion to the reading. Are you saying that reading novels is a dying art? All of the data collected in America tends to show up. For example, the Humanities Division of the U.S. government did a study, and they found that high school seniors, about 49%, read less than one hour a week for pleasure. When the same group got out of university, 63% read little or nothing for pleasure. And they found that people's ability to read serious literature was atrophying. They took the college graduates, and over that decade, 40% who could read serious literature had gone down to 30%. Now, you may be skeptical about that, but I at least enjoy Yeats's poetry. And there's a wonderful poem in Yeats where he says, Over the Kremlin serpentine pavement white, there strode five generals simultaneously taking snuff, which softness itself was yet the stuff to leave the grand white neck no gash. Now, if you don't know what the word serpentine means, and you don't know where the Kremlin was, and you don't know the czar was there, Hmm. and you don't know that you need a rag to take snuff, you don't realize that these generals sneaked up on the czar and strangled him. But what's that got to do with today? Why should the young reader, why should the modern reader read Yeats? Well, the modern reader should read Yeats because I think poetry gives us timeless insights. Uh, Let's take Yeats' poem, The Second Coming. It's a poem about how the Christ was the first coming, who at least inspired a certain idealism in Western civilization. And in the 20th century, we tend to lose faith in everything. And he says that we have become essentially what turned into totalitarianism, people who are nihilist without values. And he says, what is this shapeless thing slouching its way to Bethlehem? Now, if you don't know Bethlehem was where Christ was born, you can't see any point in the title, The Second Coming. There's a novel by Anthony Burgess, not an unflawed novel we'll cover later. And in it, he goes to Chicago and talks to his niece. And he happens to mention Jesus Christ. And she says, who's Jesus Christ? (laughs) And he says... He was crucified for our sins. And she says, that's sad. Did it hurt much? And you can see that she is totally ignorant of the history of our civilization. So with reading, uh, it takes away that ignorance. I mean, you express concern at the declining number of young people reading for pleasure. What do you put it down to? Is that 
lack of concentration? Is it focus and devotion in the daily speed of modern life, Jim? What is it? I think it's two things. When I was a lad, when you came home from school, you read. Today they come home from school and they plug into the net and they shoot Martians and video games. So partially it's allocation of time. People are now spending as long on the net as their total number of hours in school. But also it's because not just the net, but TV accustoms you to a thrill every minute. You know, you want a car chase, a rape, a murder. Well, Dickens can't compete with that. He takes a few chapters to set mood and character. Now, there is one novel, Chuck Palahniuk, The Fight Club. Great book. We'll talk about that. Yes. Well, he was the only author I know who tries to give you a thrill every page. That is, about every page something dramatic happens. For example, one page the guy shows up at work and he's been in a fight club and he's been beaten up a lot. And the boss says, you know, you're not very presentable to the public. And he says, you have so much money, I have so little, and mashes himself in the nose and begins to bleed all over his boss, who starts shouting, security, security. He can't sustain it in his other novels. That is, that novel, you do get a thrill about every three pages. You do get that sort of visceral film, don't you? But I'm just thinking, you know, you're a worldwide expert in intelligence. Surely, uh, people, young people playing games, for example, that taps into a different type of intelligence. Exactly. So what's wrong with that? Well, what's wrong with it is, of course, the brain is like a muscle, and the brain responds to what we do. You know how the muscles of a weightlifter and the muscles of a swimmer differ. And your brains are different than people in 1900. Uh, let me just use a trivial example. In 1900, most people didn't drive cars. But when they got cars, the hippocampus, the part of the brain that maps, became enlarged. And in London cab drivers, it's very much enlarged. But now that we have automatic guidance systems, it'll collapse again, won't it? Because people aren't map reading anymore. Now, the part of your brain that does abstract thinking has enlarged over the 20th century. You're much more adept than people were in 1900 at taking general statements, at seeing logical connections between them, at doing the type of reasoning that has, by the way, a spin-off for ethics. When I used to argue with my father, who was mildly racist, I would say, what if you woke up black tomorrow? And he would say, that's the dumbest thing you've ever said. Who do you know that that ever happened to? That is, he wouldn't take hypothetical propositions seriously. His morals were like precious jewels that he'd inherited, and one of them was racism. Today, a young person would say, well, just because you're black doesn't mean you're different. You know, what if a book has a black cover? So we've not only become cognitively adept over time through reading, through education, but also we have become more morally sensitive now, the problem of that is, of course, you may be more morally sensitive, but if you've never read any literature or history, when you come to foreign affairs, you may not be racist and sexist, but you may not know the limits of the possible because of your ignorance. So it gives you a deeper understanding, an insight into the world. So your list then, or your compendium of modern authors, um, why should we take notice of your list? Well... I have no objection to a lot of people doing a lot of lists. The reason I did this list, I thought to myself, maybe people are reading less because there's less good literature out there than there was, let's say, in 1970. 
Maybe over the last 40 years, we just don't have the number of good authors. But to my partial surprise, I discovered we have just as good literature being produced today as then. Now, why should they take me seriously? Yeah, why you? Yeah, only because when I thought, how can I find out whether there are good authors out there? I talked to Larry Jones, who teaches literature in the English department. I talked to all my friends that I knew were well-read. I joined a book club. And whenever anyone said, this is a terrific author, I read them. I read about 400 books over the last six years. And I noted that these were people who won prizes, the Booker Prize and Nobel Prizes. And I did about all that an intelligent person could do. When I wanted to find who the best authors were, I talked to people of taste and looked at prize winners and collected what I could see that were people who are noteworthy. One thing I should say on the business of ethics, I've often thought, you know, you've read Howard Fisk and the great... Robert Crus Fisk. Robert Fisk, the uh, great crusade... The great for war for civilization. Civilization. And he's shown that every nation that has gone into the Middle East from the West has left more of a mess than when they went in. And you wonder about policymakers. Six years ago, you interviewed me. And I began to talk to members of parliament who were gung-ho to send an army into the Middle East. I couldn't find that one of them had read a book on Libya. I couldn't find that they had read anything about the country, its ethnic composition. One of them said shamefacedly, oh, the minister for foreign affairs is briefed. What are you saying? MPs should put down their policy notes and read more novels, read they more books. They should indeed, and read more <laughs> history. I mean, to invade Libya or to invade Syria or to invade Iraq and know nothing, it would be as if a sultan during the Thirty Years' War in Germany, you know, where half the population of Germany were killed, it would be as if a benevolent sultan said, we'll go into Germany and teach those Catholics and Protestants to love one another. You know, they're barbecuing each other and burning each other up, and we'll teach them how to nation build. Well, we would all say that was insane. Hey, onto this list, onto this box, how should we use it? In the next 10 episodes, how should we use your list? You seem to, for example, hate literary fashion, quoting streams of consciousness, boring musings, and the compulsory long sentences. That's right. Well, uh, Harsh! Uh, yes, it is harsh, but... Uh, I'm saying I think there are two types of authors, authors that write for other authors and authors that write for readers. Do you really want to hear what some guy thinks about time for 15 pages? <laughs> you, you, you know, they, they say the past is no longer with us, the present is fleeting, the future is not it's yet. It's called prose, Jim. Yes, it's called prose. But, you know, some great novelists wrote essays like Dostoevsky. You know, if you read the Brothers Karamazov, they're wonderful essays on ethics and religion. But it takes a great mind to do that. Most modern authors are pushed even by publishers in expressing profound views, and they just don't measure up to Dostoevsky. You can't put in a book what isn't in your head, and if you have no profound thoughts on time, you're just going to waste 15 pages. Now, straight up, some people are going to be outraged by some of your omissions. That's right. 
Are the, you concerned about that? No. Uh, they should read whoever they should read for pleasure, of course. I think that if they read a book by a contemporary author and there are 15 pages of question marks, they haven't really got much out of it. If they enjoy reading 15 pages of question marks, well, go to it. Now, you seem to prefer male authors. You've certainly read more men than women. You're more likely to write more about the men. As, as an example, only two of the European authors sampled are women. Is that just... Oh, no, more than two sampled are women. Only two of those preferred were women. I mean, that I ranked in the top 12. Mm. Well, that happened to be the sources. I had no gender screening. If most people had suggested that the authors they enjoyed most were women, and if women won most of the prizes, I'd have had a majority of women. Uh, you, you so know. There's, no, yeah, there's an over-representation there, of Irish, yeah, yeah, but that wasn't but, seeking out Irish. There's no, <laughs> there's no, say, literary unconscious bias? I don't think there is. I am interested in an author if the characters are sharp, if the dialogue conveys a story that transcends the human condition, that makes you feel that this story is timeless. And uh, I, I do particularly want good style. I want a style that excites you or flows. And I want an author, when an author can suggest another world by the prose they have about this world. I'm always suspicious of someone who goes in for magic realism. And the only way they can take you out of the contemporary world is having gypsies do magic you or appear from the magic dead. Magic realism can be fantastic, Jim. It can be. You, ha- you have a few, like H.G. Wells. Ben Oakley. Yes. I do compliment a number of authors who have used magic realism in a way that I considered really uh, effective. Uh, let me give you an example, though, Briefly. of a stupid use of magic realism, and that is in uh, the Manitoto, the one by um, Janet Frame. Living in the Manitoto. Yes, there's a good set of pages on Baltimore, and then she goes to a doorway, and someone disappears in a puff of smoke, which has no influence on the plot, no influence on her thought. Hold it right there. We'll talk about that in the New Zealand section. I love that bit. Now, (laughs) next episode, the books of North America and what you make of Master Don DeLillo. And it's not all good, Jim. No, he's he's an author who can write, but I think he's flawed in many respects. The new Torchlight List with Professor Jim Flynn scouring the globe looking for the pearls by today's authors with me, Wallace Chapman. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? <laughs> say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.